Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 17 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast presents Enchantress After Dark. This is a new series for the same great content, just a wee bit more intimate with our guests. In the past, we have been the official podcast for the Allure signing in 2022 and Readers Take Denver convention in 2023. And I'm thrilled to be the official podcast for the Dark Star convention in 2024, happening August 29th through September 1st in New Orleans, Louisiana. The Dark Star Con is a book convention focused on audiobooks and what is the next best thing happening in the audiobook world. So please visit their website to learn more and grab tickets to this event. And I will see you guys there. Today, I am chatting with narrator M.K. Blackwood. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. (laughs) I am too. I feel like I know you a little bit already, even though I don't, just because I see you everywhere. And so I've been really looking forward to this. And yeah, I'm trying to be a bit more in front of camera of sorts and be a little bit more active on there versus just like, deposit and, and run away and not see anything but you're really good at it so i've been kind of like looking at your stuff too i'm like okay how does she do that okay great <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because i think that this is the hardest thing for me to do i'm like a very guarded person and very shy so having to talk about myself or make content or market or be social is literally like it's terrible for me, <laughs> but you're making it extremely comfortable and fun. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard. I can provide you and with entire, you know, consultations. I mean, it's what I do with the authors and the narrators on the gig and give you an entire plan. Do I follow that myself? Hell. Yeah. Uh, it's totally different when you have to follow your own advice. It's a different game. It's hard, you know, and then, you know, imposters, all that fun stuff. But we are here to talk about you and get to know you better. So I'm so excited. We're going to start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you got started. Yeah, so I actually just celebrated, I think this month will be my three-year anniversary. And that is between, I have another name that I narrate under, so sort of the combined efforts of both of my identities. I've hit that three-year mark, and I think I've surpassed 60 audiobooks, so I still feel new, but I feel like I'm starting to get the hang of things a little bit now, which mm-hmm. is nice. Um, but I'm an actor, and I got a degree in theater from Emerson College back when, <laughs> and um, <laughs> lived in L.A. as a professional actor for about a dozen years, and it was during the pandemic, which I think was a lot of people's story couldn't do theater. I was doing mostly immersive theater too. So definitely couldn't do that because you have to interact with people. So yeah, everything had shut down and I felt like I was in this creative rut. And I'm sure you feel this too. Like when you're a creative artistic person and you don't have that thing that you need to do like at your core, you start to go a little crazy. (laughs) My husband would probably attest to that. I was, uh, yeah, spiraling a little bit, unraveling, but I had a book club. And I think that for a while there, reading was really the only thing that was kind of getting me through the pandemic. And I had a book club. We'd been meeting together in person for years and we had to switch to Zoom. 
And I remember we were just having this discussion about how we'd all met doing theater. And we were like, oh gosh, like it's just being in this place of like not knowing when you're going to be able to do your craft again is just so hard. And of course, there were terrible things happening. People were dying. Like the pandemic was a terrible. But for artists, we were just trying to reinvent ourselves. And we were like, well, what can we do instead? Mm-hmm. And I think I said something during one of our meetings, like I, these books are just getting me through and I wish I could just find a way to read and have books be my new path. And my friends were like, you're an idiot. You can't. Like, <laughs> have you heard of audiobook narration? I was like, yeah, what, what the heck? Like I listened to audiobooks, and for some reason I never made that connection, even though I was an actor and I was curious about voice acting. I never made that connection that it was something that I could do. And so something got unlocked for me in my brain. Like, you got to reinvent yourself here. You got to find something. So I started to look into it. I reached out to people that I knew that had done it. And, you know, the first year, I felt very much like I was reaching around in the dark. I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't getting the best advice. I didn't know what resources to turn to. But every time I sat down in front of the mic to read, it felt right. So I kind of just kept going. And then after a year, I started to really connect with the community more. I finally found like Narrator's Roadmap and a coach and Narrator.life classes and some friends I made who were narrators who were a little more established. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, now I can see the industry. I Mm -hmm. see what's happening. I see the business. I see kind of the path finally ahead of me. And it's just kind of taken off from there. So I'm an actor, you know, through and through. And this is just another vertical that I've found that I think probably suits my introverted personality a little more, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. Well, kudos to having that friend that just smacked you with it. (laughs) Honestly, you got to have friends like that. You really do. I mean, I know a lot of people surround themselves with the yes, anything you want kind of friends, which are. uh, Yeah it to you because you're going to be full of bullshit and you're going to be think that you're the, you know, the slice of best cheese. And honestly, yeah. you, you know, you want to have those people that are like, Hey, Viv, no. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm hearing, this is what I'm hearing. And guess what? There's this whole other thing you haven't even thought of. Exactly. And it's so weird too. We're our own greatest obstacle most of the time. And I feel like looking back, I understand it. But it's no less frustrating to know that I wish I had done this sooner and I could have done this sooner. And if I could go back and tell my younger self when I was in college and when I was had graduated, this is another thing you can do. It doesn't have to replace, you know, your pursuit into theater and film and TV, but there's also this. I really wish I could go back and tell myself that because... I feel silly that I'd never considered it. And it's like, what was that block, you know? Honestly, I think it's not so much also a block, but I don't think that we were looking at it as an option because we didn't, there wasn't a whole lot of in your face about it, right? Yeah, that's true. Books. And even those individuals are like, oh, I even like back in days prior to the indie world exploding, there was a specific path you had to take in order to get your book published. 
So which is that why at school, you know, you were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And things like firefighters and doctors and lawyers were always there. No one ever busted out with a photographer for book covers or graphic designer. And I kind of have some resentment about that. I'm not going to lie. Speaking of skeletons in the closet, (laughs) when I look back at like my younger years of schooling and grade school, I really feel like they put you on this track and they don't even encourage anyone to stray from that or to like look elsewhere and look outside the box unless you're lucky and you go to a certain type of school. I know there are schools like this in LA, charters that are like very creative and have a lot of different professions that they look at. Yeah. But yeah, it was very much like even growing up, like we only had honors classes in math and science. So it was like, you're only smart if you're good at math (laughs) and science (laughs) and nobody cares about English. Nobody cares about literature, history, and you got to go to college. And these are the only colleges you go to. And it was kind of blasphemy that I wanted to do theater. And I remember a lot of people discouraging me from that. Even my theater director when I was in high school was saying, don't do this. Don't be an actor. And I was like, what? But, but, but. <laughs> There's so many things you can do in the world of acting, you know? So yeah, maybe there was that little kind of influence in the back of my mind. Like, you got to be careful if you're going down this path, you know, do it right. Don't explore too much. Yeah. And it's just, again, it's just within the last couple of years, this industry has completely like been open to a lot of folks in any capacity. I mean, when it came down to even marketing, people were like, you have to go get a four-year degree and this and that and, and, and work for a Fortune 500. And now we have people that maybe have started just as a, as a fan and have been listening to books for years and reading books for years and have a knack for it. And then they hopefully got more education on it. Some have, which is great and how you should do it. Others have not. Let's not go there. And right. Right. <laughs> right. But, but it's always something there. Like I, like you going back to your younger self, I'd go back to my younger self and say, yeah, still take that class of sexual psychology. Cause that's still fun. Ooh. Was that like a grade school class? No, that was in college. In college. Because I was going to say, dang, Damn. Man, did you go to school? <laughs> that, that sounds like an important class, though. Yes, it was. Always been that girl that everyone would come to, you know, about boyfriends and stuff. And I'm like, I haven't had mine, but if you're yourself, blah, 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 kind of thing. So it took the in senior year in high school, one of my electives was psychology. And I wanted to be a psychologist. And so when you go into college, they have all these different, you know, realms. And so there was a class for sexual behavior. And I'm like, so you're like, that's the one. <laughs> Let me see what this is about. <laughs> but I also took classes like photography. And I'm like, they would have told me that I could have been taking photography of and pictures of couples and be able to do different diversity backgrounds and different body types versus plants. I probably would have stuck to it more in a completely different degree. So this is where I love having these kind of conversations for whoever's listening, go to school. It doesn't have to be a four-year degree. Get a skill set that it is, whether it's anything that you love and stuff. And if you're curious, explore, explore it. Mm-hmm. It may not be for you. And you're like, yeah, no, never mind. But if not, enjoy it and explore it. And honestly, like I think that learning is one of the most important gifts that we can give ourselves to stay connected to because- mm-hmm. You know, that definitely where I grew up, it was very much like you got to get the college for your degree. You have to go to certain types of schools. And I'm from the East Coast originally. They were pushing the same schools to everybody. And then I, when I moved to California, there were so many people going to community college and just taking classes. Like even people who'd already gotten a degree were like, oh, I'm going to take some classes at the local community college. And I was yeah. like, 
that's incredible. And that is so cool. And they're like, yeah, they're more affordable. I can do cool stuff. I can just peruse new hobbies or skills and enjoy my life. And I think that one of the keys to happiness is to continue being open to learning new things and having new experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we kind of detach ourselves from this like idea that we have of what success is and that we have to go to certain schools and have certain degrees and just learn, just get out there, take a class, go to a community college, find whatever, and just learn new stuff. And you'll be happy. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, we can still be miserable and do that. But. Yeah. But as long as you understand it's a journey, I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to take this class and I'm going to either suck at it and rock and oh my God, if I suck, this is horrible. I go, no, if you suck at it, congratulations. You tried something new. Yeah. You're always going to suck when you begin. Yeah. And uh, that's what she said. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is what happens. I am that friend that can make anything to session when you went to it. does not matter. Okay. <laughs> You know what? I, that was a good one. I have to give you that. I have to give you that. Thank you. And this is one of those things where you just have to try it out and, and go on and think that, that I have a habit of creating businesses, though, when I do that, which is why I'm staying away from epoxy. Okay, there you go. Yeah, because yeah. I will end up doing trades and all this other fun stuff. So I'm like, no, that's how I have all the other things going on in my life, which I love. So I'm staying away from But with you... Three years in, you have with both names, you know, your real name that you're narrated under and your pseudonym. Um, that's a lot of accomplished. But even then, like a uh, huge congratulations on the multiple nominations for the 2023 Paltry Listeners Awards. Thank you. And thank you so much for everything that you do to set all of that up. It was such a surprise to me to be nominated. Honestly, I am very much a like head down, do the work and like don't come up for air type of person. <laughs> so when anyone even just leaves a review or mentions me or thinks of me, I like can't believe it because <laughs> I'm just so in my own world with things that I can't believe people know I exist <laughs> most of the time. You were nominated in the favorite new narrator category. And then you had two titles that you worked on in the contemporary category. It was a cowboy Delta secret book one and lyric Delta secret book 1.5. Both were written by DL Lane. Yes. It was nice. She, and I'm working on another book with her uh, next month, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's a great writer. Her stories are fantastic. I love going to that spreadsheet of the nominees and going, and oh, yay. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yay. I'm like, damn, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that that's the thing that was appealing to me about audiobook narration, because when I was doing theater, the part about theater that I hated the most was having to come out after and talk to people. I literally just wanted to run from the theater to my car and just go home. And people want to talk to you. And they want to talk about the experience that they had watching something, how it impacted them, if it had twists or, you know, exciting things. They want to be able to, they're excited mm -hmm. to share that with you. So I think, you know, what was appealing to me about audiobook narration was I was kind of like, okay, I'll just be in my little my little cave, doing my thing by myself. It'll be great. And then I realized, oh no, you still have to talk to people. <laughs> you still have to <laughs> find ways to connect. So it's a challenge for me, but you know, things like the Sultry Listeners Awards and stuff like that that you're making, ways for people to connect kind of organically was really nice for someone like me. 
Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, a lot of people are like, you're an introvert. Like, yes, yes, I am. Peopling takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> does. Know? And it's funny because I think it's become kind of like cute for people to say they're introverted on social media. Sometimes they're like, oh my God, I'm an introvert. And I'm like, no, you're no, not. You're not. Trust me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay, keep telling yourself that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff is like, oh yeah. So you like, it's like the same thing that recently, like with the whole like witchy stuff. I'm like, yeah, no, stop. Yeah, yeah no, literally. You <laughs> yeah. don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> No, okay, that crystal doesn't mean not go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, summoning a demon with a coffee not going to happen. But okay, unless you didn't drink the coffee, that might be a different conversation. <laughs> that might be a different conversation. And honestly, this just made me think of how social, how weird social media is because I feel like I'm constantly walking this line of like, do I be authentic or do I edit myself to be more palatable? And I think that there's definitely trends and yes. things that if you get on board with, you do get more visibility and you get a little bit more engagement and mm-hmm. connection to the community. But I have a really, really hard time as a person. If something doesn't come organically to my brain <laughs> or like feels fully authentic to who I am, I can't move forward. I get totally stuck. Yeah. And so it's tough because I'm, I don't really want to share much about myself I like to be kind of mysterious and I am a guarded and shy person, but I also recognize people want to get to know you. Yeah. And so basically I'm a very cerebral person mm-hmm. <laughs> in case you haven't already noticed. <laughs> I overthink everything, overanalyze everything. And there is a very lush, busy, chaotic world in my head. And uh, I have a really hard time sharing it with people. I mean, having a million gazillion followers and a decent voice when, you know, they get on for a 15 second video on a social media, specifically Clocky Appy, um, does not equate being a narrator. Yeah. And, you know, having a thousand followers does not equate you being, you know, a good person. If you look at it that way, the moment that the app is bye-bye, you're done. I know. And I was even thinking about that recently with all the music stuff that happened. How are people going to react to this? Because there was a really like teeny little evil part of my nihilistic brain that was like, yeah. oh, oh I, I did the evil laugh. I did the evil laugh. I can't laugh. wait to watch it all burn. Like, <laughs> I was like, that's how I was looking at it. And I was like, oh my I'm God, I'm not going to so lie. Evil. I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you said it has to be about the authentic self. And so many people are not authentic. And I heard it this morning that I'm I'm, I'm going to do a graphic. I'm going to do a video with it. It says the, the grass is greener on the other side because it's fake. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. But the majority of the time, you know, the pretty privileged people, the people that, you know, again, sound nice in a five second TikTok uh, video. What you're seeing in front is not the truth. And the authentic self is your truest way. And you know what? I want people to like me for who I am and that of what I share. If you don't like me too, I don't give three flying fucks. Yeah. And that's the way. And even just like you for where you're at. Because I think that what you just said resonated so much with me because I think it goes back to making ourselves palatable and editing ourselves because... Like, for example, I love Trader Joe's. I love the employees there. They're fantastic. They always ask interesting questions beyond just how are you or what do you have going on? But anytime I'm like out in public and someone asks, oh, what have you got going on today? Or how's your day going? I know what the correct answer is, the socially acceptable, palatable answer is. And then I know what's actually going on for me. 
And I think that I would love to live in a world where we're just honest. Like mm -hmm. back in medieval times, don't you think people were like, oh, yes, John died yesterday. And, you know, so-and-so <laughs> has the plague. And like, it's just probably like the normal thing that they talk about. right? <laughs> but instead, we have to like fabricate and make up these other versions of ourselves in order to seem like everything's fine. We're okay. We're functioning. When the reality is like most of us probably aren't a lot of the time. So... I think about that with social media too, is like, I don't feel the need to share when I am going through something difficult, but at the same time, it is a very authentic, honest thing to say, hey, I'm human. Yeah. And this crap just happened. And you might help someone else. Yeah. One of the segments that I have um, that we'll get to later is about what you guys ask me any question. And I got asked, so what have you been listening to lately? And I went, fuck. And I'm like, I can pretend or do I'm like, and I told her flat out, I said, I actually haven't been listening because I've been in a mental state of, and then kind of went on there. She was awesome. She's like, oh, I can change the question. I go, no, let's talk about this for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, people are constantly sharing. I've read a thousand books this month and I've done this and I've done that. And then others feel bad because they only read 999. <laughs> I totally agree. Or they only did five. And then you have people question, like, do you not do anything else? And so there's always this thing. And the reality is, is that I'm open to sharing. And you ask me anything and, you know, via DMs or, you know, if we're in person and stuff like that. And depending on who you are and what the relationship is, I am regardless of an open book, I will tell you what I think and feel and be transparent. Yeah. But I also know that half of y'all are going to turn around and say something to somebody else and make it into something different. And so I have always due to my personal experience of, you know, getting stabbed in the back, fucked over and all this other fun stuff. I am extremely guarded, but I also know that it's not someone else's fault because someone was a cunt. It's okay to share, but I'm also not going to go and say, Hey, MK, you recently narrated a BDSM book. Which I don't know if you did or not, for example, but again, this oh, is the I question. Did. Right. But here's the thing. People expect to have sometimes have people ask and then go into the, so did you try out any scenes? And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because this is something that's really important to me because I exist in two, I kind of don't like that they're two spaces, but I also respect that they are and it's nice. There are lines and boundaries that get crossed in the romance community quite often in my mind and assumptions that people make that because you read these types of books, because you narrate these types of books, because you post on social media about these types of books, that they can say things to you. And I despise that <laughs> because we live in a culture of consent, especially in the modern day that we're living in. We know better. We know what it means. And I I'm glad that you said that because I just feel like when I enter this space, as MK and when I'm at these conventions and when I'm going places, I still expect a certain level of respect from people and to treat me as a professional. Mm -hmm. I feel like occasionally things are said, like I'm, I won't go into details, but I've had some cringy things said to me in the past and I either, I don't know what to do half the time. So I usually just completely go silent 
and that's sending a message. Or I'll say things like, yeah, that wasn't super professional. So I'm not really sure how to respond to that, you know, but that's a whole other thing that we have to face is like, we all want to talk about this stuff because it's fascinating. We love the kink. We love this. We love romance books. We love all of this. We want to be sex positive, but we also have to be respectful towards each other. So that's a big thing for me that I, I just want to make sure people are aware, you know, when I'm out in these spaces. Don't go up to her and ask her if she likes whips the pat, you know, the cake again. <laughs> I know, right? You know, right? Yeah, don't tell me you enjoyed, you know, sleeping with me because we narrated something together or because you read a book. I'm an actor. That wasn't real. You know? Yeah. Don't tell me about how after reading chapter 45 and listening to insert male narrator here, um, you grabbed your toy and went off and do stuff. I mean, I seen it online. There's one creator that all they do is very loudly say stuff and it's about the, the all sex. I'm like, I want to know about the plot. I want to know about the characters. What did the narrators say and do? How did they perform that made you go damn or that emotional moment or damn, that was sexy, but okay, we're leaving it at that and then move on. Yeah. And look, the sex scenes need to be interesting too. So I want to know about them too. I'm always running to, whenever I'm proofing a book, I'm running to tell my husband, be like, you're never going to believe this. This (laughs) is what's going on right now. But I do that about the sex scenes as much as I do about the plot points and the story and the characters and what I'm discovering about them. So, and that's been interesting for me too, existing in a different space under another name where, you know, I narrate a lot of fantasy and thriller and horror and YA is a completely different type of conversation over there. So yeah, I do love both spaces. I am a sex positive person, but it is an interesting conversation to have about maintaining professionalism. The same people that are like, oh my God, I cannot believe that so-and-so article on XYZ magazine or website is yet again ragging negatively on romance. Bitch, why do you think that is? <laughs> I know. I, I wonder hate to say why it, the behavior of certain individuals who did not respect hockey players' wives and had their followers go after said wife because consent was modified. And a bear in the line was drawn and that continues. And yet we invite that same in, in these same individuals to go to book conventions and do, you know, small reader parties. They weren't consensually behaving properly towards XYZ people. And then we're still because they have a thousand gazillion followers. And I recently saw it on the threads, which I don't. It's another cesspool of people in there talking about the consenting because, again, we the if if the behavior was towards a female you know femme presenting individuals the how these women behave towards the male narrators and the male people that are getting into this industry whether they're book cover models or you know they're you know this and that would be catastrophic they would be canceled they would be in jail <laughs> for sexual harassment and you can't just go and ask forgiveness later because i think you know when you put someone in a position where something has gone viral and it's so widely shared and they're benefiting from that and then you go back and say oh i'm sorry did that make you uncomfortable we know that it's like you already passed the point where you asked their permission so what are they supposed to say exactly and you know speaking of consent i feel like We know so much. Well, it's not necessarily that we we know more now, but we're exposed to so much more education now, I feel like, than at least I was earlier in my life. 
I had a terrible, terrible sex education growing up. I feel like most people did in the 90s, (laughs) early 2000s. And I feel like a lot of what I've learned about healthy relationships and consent has been from books. And there's a fantastic um, author that I love, Emily Nagoski. Are you familiar with her? No, but I will be now. So she has a PhD and she is like a sex therapist, basically. And she wrote a book called Come As You Are, and it completely changed my life. I recommend it to every, it's mostly geared towards cis women, but there's a lot of important information in there about consent and the culture of consent. And yeah, I feel like I could talk for another hour on that and everything, but but I feel like, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it wasn't as publicly shared as much all this information. So, okay, maybe we didn't know what we didn't know. But we know now and we know we can do better and we need to do better. Yeah, I think we do as a community and and as who we choose to be claim to be an influencer and who people are giving their money to as these influencers, but also some of our peers, people that we work with. I mean, again, in, in the threads a couple of days ago, someone was saying how just because they're shirtless doesn't mean that we as a community get to go after and thirst trap them because there's different levels of thirst traps and that they're providing like no it doesn't matter if the guy is grinding on up against the wall that be that's a, a higher level of thirst for an example does not mean that you get to say what you say and it's the same individual you know saying that we shouldn't behave this way was the same individual sexualizing narrators in dms and other places that's so like mm, mm, mm. Not from the inside of the house, ma'am. Yeah. When you go to, you know, a burlesque show or a strip club, you don't get to touch people just because they're partially or fully nude doesn't mean you get to touch them. But you also can't even say stuff to them either. That's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is why sometimes romance gets a bad name. You know, there's a thousand other reasons that always, always shadows the really positive stuff that happens in this genre. So why a lot of times people don't take people that work in the industry as serious as someone that does strictly fantasy or historicals and all this fun stuff. But the behaviors, I, I, I love being able that I can send you a DM and say, girl, oh my God, right? Yeah. Like, no, we're not going to talk about anything else that's not appropriate. I even ask like, because I know myself when, like, if you get a nickname by me, you're in, I love you, you're mine kind of thing, right? Oh, I will strive for that. But I know some people don't like nicknames or don't like being called sweetie or hon or babe. So I ask, I say, um, are you okay? And if there's a preference of one or the other and stuff like that. And so the same thing, and actually this is going to bring me to this because I, I, I saw it and I'm like, girl, she's so on point. Good girl. <laughs> I'm like, first of all, there is an entire community that have honorifics and there's a relationship and there's so much more to it. And I understand it that if a sexy guy or girl says it to you, (laughs) I've had this reaction, but I'm not busting out further from that. And even then consensual kind of behavior. You started the last day of 2023 with (laughs) I'm going, oh, I like her. (laughs) 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 Because you did the good girl hotline. But the answer to that was so like, yeah, thanks for calling that good girl hotline. What male narrator do you want to hear that from? Mm-hmm. You know, and not so many did it so much better than that, though. And then <laughs> it was like someone requesting on the hotline FM narrator. So where did that come from? I don't talk about that. You know, what's really weird is I feel like some of the best ideas that I have randomly come to me. I was sitting in my booth one day. I can't even remember why I couldn't record, but there was like a, something going on. It might have been like noise or construction or something. 
And I was just like watching, I was, you know, scrolling on social media and I think people had started sharing, someone had made a request for, I think it was male narrators to Mm. stitch your best, you know, line or whatever. And I was like, why male narrators just, you know, why just them? And then this is a fascinating conversation for me. Again, like we're about to go full cerebral here. What makes, um, I actually Googled this <laughs> because I was like, like what makes a man's voice sexy? Like what is the thing that everybody's, you know, obsessed with? And I feel like it's just culturally accepted that the deeper the voice, the growlier the voice, the sexier it is. And I disagree. I think, and this is part of like what I feel like I learned from that Come As You Are book. Everyone's different. Everybody likes different things. And who's to say that, you know, what makes a man? Trying to imply that only a deep growly voice is masculine, it's actually wrong. Because you're excluding entire groups of people who sound different, look different, have different uh, physiological body parts. And so I kind of like when I see that stuff, I get annoyed. <laughs> and I suppose I'm showing my true colors here, but like I have an adverse reaction when stuff like that gets shared. And it's like, it feels like it's a contest, like who can be the deepest, who can be the growliest. And I'm like, oh my God, I, what are we doing guys? Come on. So one day I was just in my booth. I must have seen one of those videos and I was like, this is so annoying. <laughs> so I just started talking to myself and like playing around, had no intention of posting it. I think I sat on it for like a month and it was just like in my drafts, which is a thing with me. I make probably dozens of videos a month that I just never post because I, I'm just kind of like being silly with myself and then decide I don't want to share, which is kind of a me thing, I guess. So I sent it to a friend and I was like, is this funny? <laughs> is this like, should I post this? Because I trusted her to be like, no, that is going to piss people off. And she was like, no, this is hilarious. And she said, you know, it might make the guys a little annoyed, but do it. So I was like, all right, all right. And then I sat on it for a little bit longer. And then you know, just randomly was like, uh, I don't have anything to post. So I guess let's just, you know, roll it out. <laughs> and then I was really surprised by the reaction that it got from people, which was kind of cool. But yeah, it was sort of born out of that annoyance that I have towards us constantly feeling the need to categorize what's masculine, what's sexy, and this like weird competition we have with each other. Even I love my narrator pals. And I also understand that everyone's trying to get visibility. I respect that. I love you all. And I won't say but, but and sometimes it does feel like we're competing to see who can have the deepest voice as women. I don't like participating in stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I just made that weird video to be like, this is kind of me being contrarian, but in a funny way that I think is palatable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I put it out in the world. I think it was great. And I think it also showcased where a lot of us may be, but are just not being vocal about it, especially on social. Yeah. Because of a fear of, you know, getting, you know, smacked back in the comments. But like even recently, someone did uh, the whole like, 
Uh, and it was ironic. Some people, I first took it seriously. Like, how dare she make people? She's being funny and there's a point to it. It was the one where she's like, there's no female narratives that make you sound like a male narrative that has sexy stuff like that. And y'all came on and you presented. But I also kind of feel like, why? That was my thought too. And I have so many friends that shared that who I absolutely adore, who I think are so talented. And I had these complex, you know, this inner turmoil of, I don't want to do that because it feels like it's perpetuating a stereotype that I don't agree with when it comes to what's masculine. Not everybody did that. Some people really just did some really beautiful and interesting interpretations, which I really appreciated. But yeah, it's kind of, um, I wanted to post a parody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, no, that could be mean. And then I was like, what if I post something that's just, let's deconstruct this. What does this mean? What does masculine mean? What are listeners looking for? And how are we interpreting this? I'm curious. And then I was like, no, that's going to create discourse. So I just stayed silent and I didn't participate because I didn't know how to show up to that space authentically as myself since it didn't feel right to me. So that's kind of, that happens to me a lot where I'm like, I don't know how to enter this conversation because I'm either, I'm either going to use humor because I'm uncomfortable or I'm going to enter the conversation with and be like a total party pooper. <laughs> like, yeah. Really upsetting <laughs> facts or information that is not the vibe. <laughs> right. And I understand that, that this is supposed to be for entertaining and then it's supposed to be meant for, you know, dis- disassociating and stuff like that. But there's also, the you know, us as femme presenting individuals, it's the conversation is in the reviews that the ladies are being left out, that they're the ones carrying, six, you know, 95% of the book. The guy had one chapter, maybe even just the epilogue. And all the review says is how awesome he was. Things like that for me perpetuate that kind of behavior, but also doesn't allow you guys to really showcase the skills, whether it's the accent work, whether it's the emotional level, which is just re- you just being you and your voice telling me a story. Yeah. And it's not something you see in other genres no, and other spaces. And I think that's why there's an interesting dynamic in the romance community because there is the fantasy for people. And it is a very cis heterosexual space. And I'm queer. I don't talk about it very often. Not a lot of people know. I have felt more comfortable being queer as MK because I don't get questions from family and people (laughs) who would be supportive, but would want to know things that I don't feel like sharing. And so as a queer person, it sometimes is very frustrating watching these perpetual stereotypes constantly get recirculated that this is a very heterosexual space. And so I think that the more we can step away from that stereotype and challenge it, that the reason we're reading romance is for the sexy men. I think the more space that it makes for other types of stories and other, you know, types of characters. And so that's a direction that I'm interested in heading in, that I'm interested in making space for. And so for me, participating in some of these things doesn't feel like it aligns with that. And so I kind of just 
shut my mouth <laughs> usually. Yeah, I have a video in my draft too, girl. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> so many drafts, so many drafts. I'm scared to speak. No, and I think it's just one of those, like I'm a Pisces and I'm the girl that is not going to blow smoke up your ass. You know, I'm like, listen, this is why XYZ is not going to work for me. And people think I'm a bitch sometimes because I'm honest. And I'm like, I can sugarcoat it for you. Um, let me know that you need the sweetness and I will do it. I will tell you all the awesomeness and then kind of, but at the same time, like how serious are you going to take me unless we have that dynamic. And I, I'm also not like, I will help you hide the body if you come at me the right way. So I know <laughs> right, <laughs> that there's a way to deliver it. But when you're constantly showcasing some form of behavior, I'm not going to give you sugar. I'm going to give you honesty. And I'm going to tell you flat out that's bullshit. And I know that I've gotten people like, oh my gosh, she's so mean or she's so this. And I'm like, no, I'm just honest. But this kind of behavior is why when an article comes up, fill in the bank magazine and talking negatively about romance, this is why folks as a community, we all need to do better and support each other, regardless of what the trendy thing is. I want to know about where that emotional of that character was. I want to know, I'm like, what accent work do you do? You know, and things like that. Whether you like the handcuffs and stuff, that's a conversation for you and me and nobody else later in the bar. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> and if you bring it up, you know, I'm like, okay, okay, but this is this kind of this guy, <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like that. It's just not the right. And I know people are like, I'm all about sex positivity. I am, says the girl that can make anything to such you and you and though for a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's just for me, there's a time and a place for certain things. And I, you know, hey, I'm all for it. Call me a nice, sexy, you know, little nickname. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll help you hide the body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And it goes back to people feeling entitled to certain information about us. And that's just a social thing in general, whether it's in the context of work and, you know, social media or just my life. I like being the person asking the questions usually not answering them. <laughs> this just made me think of this. One of the reasons why I started a book club was because I wanted to know really weird things about people without having to ask. But I'm crazy. I was like, if I have a book club, I'll be able to cater these discussions about the book and people will volunteer really bizarre, weird, and deep things about themselves. <laughs> I think that would be a social situation that I would really enjoy because I don't like going to parties and talking to people. But I think that what's interesting about social media is that sometimes people feel that they are owed certain things from us and they're not. I can say as much or as little as I want about myself. You know, when my family members call me and they grill me with 21 questions, I don't have to answer. And I think that people get upset sometimes when we're direct or we don't sugarcoat things or we don't answer. And I'm the type of person where I want to give people space consistently to share as little or as much as they want and be themselves. And I'm not going to judge. Absolutely. And people feared not getting a new job with XYZ author or co-writer or that these people may not recommend me as an, I'm like, first of all, um, the casting director should be doing the casting, not the reader and the listener. Yeah. You have done a fantastic job, I think, on your socials and your career is going to continue to grow. And it's just one of those things where, you know, like I said, when I saw your name on the social listeners, I was I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we second guess ourselves all the time clearly people love what you're doing and not to get only one nomination but three 
Yeah, that was cool. And things like that. So it was great. I'm excited to hang out with you at uh, Dark Star. Is that the only event that you have planned for this year? Tell me because I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so that's the only one for sure that's planned. Um, I might attend Steamy Lit as just like a reader, but something that I haven't quite figured out yet, scheduling is very challenging as a narrator. And I think I've reached a point where my schedule is really full and I have to like plan ahead for things, which I don't like to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I, can, I think I can commit to future planning for like one con a year. And then if there are other things that are local to me in California, then I could maybe try to make those work. But so far, Dark Star is really the only one that I know of for sure that I'm doing. So yeah, I, I'm excited. There's going to be a few authors that I've worked at there and narrator friends and you'll be there. And yes. it's going to be cool to, you know, see people in person. But I think that's the that's one thing for with Darkstar. I'm excited about it too. Is a lot of you guys as narrators are going to be there that may not have gone to other events just because this is something that's focused on the industry of audiobooks versus more on the eyeball reading thing. And sometimes I go, I know that there's been the conversation about you know where to put you guys in these book signings when it comes down to other events. So the fact that we now have a, another event where it's focused on audiobooks, it's going to bring so much more joy and be able to hang out and be and just like, okay, cool, what, what's up next? Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. And I think no matter what, you know that everybody there likes audio and respects it. And so it's just going to be a really fun environment to be in. It's going to be fun. I'm going to excited to hang out there and, and get some beignets. Oh, I've never been to New Orleans and I'm, I'm freaking out because it's been on my list for so long. <laughs> I might arrive a few days early just to do some things because it's, it's a big draw for me. I've been wanting to go there for so long. Oh, I've been there. Uh, I think this will be fourth or third time. I can't remember. Oh, I'm jealous. I know, but here's the thing though. It's such a big city. It's almost like doing something new all the time. And it's also very touristy. So I'm also the girl that likes to do the non-touristy stuff. Oh, me too, because I don't like being around people. <laughs> I mean, I did the ghost tour, which was fantastic. And talk about finding out some things on a similar tour of the city, knowing that you're like, yeah, because you see all those fences with the the scallops and stuff like that. But then saying, hey, look at this one. I'm like, they look like penises because they are. I'm like, it's not just me. <laughs> you're like, I know that my, the way my brain works, but this was intentional. <laughs> this was done. And so there is that. But there is also a bunch of books that I've read that take place in New Orleans. So I actually did a little like map of, for myself where some of these hotspots were. So uh, that's something too that I've been kind of letting people know about. I'm like, well, if you have some favorites, stories and books that have taken place in this city, make a note of what these are. And you'll maybe, you know, sometimes the authors will have it on their websites about like, you know, while this bar was named this, it was inspired by actual this bar that's in this street and blah, blah, blah. So I did that. It was fun. I'm thinking about probably going a couple of days early too to explore. So we'll have to get together and, and do some of those fun things. Ah, uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> it is. So when you're not working, what do you do for fun? Good question. <laughs> uh, when am I not working? <laughs> I don't really know. Like I have to, but I'm like, wait, why? No. <laughs> Do you have fun? That was actually one of my goals for this year was to have a little more balance and make a little more time for some experiences. I like to be outside. I'm a nature girl, so I like to hike. Uh, I go to the beach. I read. <laughs> when I'm not reading, I read. 
and I love music and um, my husband and I watch a lot of TV and movies. So it's funny because I feel like that was something for so long that I felt kind of silly when I would talk to other people outside of audiobooks and outside of, you know, the book world and be like, they'd be like, oh, what do you do for fun? And I'd be like, um, nothing. <laughs> oh, I guess I read. And they'd be like, Ugh, you know, but in this world, like, well, I read and people are like, well, of course, you know, that's very cool. Um, so yeah, I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. I like to live in places where I can be in nature. So I try to go outside as much as I can, but most of the time I'm reading or just kind of hanging out at home. Nice. And that's, yeah, when I'm not working, which is most of the time, to be honest. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's my life. <laughs> so one of the other questions that I love to ask, because it's the variety of things is, what is your favorite word? And this is different from your favorite curse word, because that's the second part of the conversation. You work with words all the time. So I'm like, has, you know, like, what is your, if you have one, what is it? I really struggle with favorite questions. To be honest, I don't even know if I can answer that. When people ask me, like, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite movie? In my life, I've never been able to answer that. I get, like, like something happens and my brain, like, tweaks out <laughs> and is like, what does it mean? What's a favorite? How are we going to pick? Gosh, that is a really hard one to answer. A favorite word. Or one that you like that you've come across recently. How about that one? Let me think about it and then it'll come to me at some point and I'll just blurt it out. Perfect. And we're like, that's what you were talking about. Got it. Context. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, yeah. context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's a go-to word for you then um, when it comes down to cursing? Oh, cursing. I say fuck a lot. Isn't that like a viral video? Yeah. <laughs> like a sound or something where she's like, um, I like to say fuck. Um, I say fuck quite a bit part of it is because i'm from massachusetts and i feel like fucking this and fucking that is every other word that people say and for some reason every time i say fucking my husband thinks i'm talking in a scottish accent and then we both go fucking fucking for like a really long time so i say fuck a lot that's like my go-to it's actually probably ironically i haven't said it in this conversation i know <laughs> but normally it comes up quite often so maybe I'm just on being on my best behavior. Yeah, yeah, I think you are. Like, I think you've definitely, you know, gotten like more relaxed. But I'm like, yeah, she hasn't said that. Yeah, yet. We'll it's coming. The next one, it'll be mm -hmm. crazy times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna get to this uh, next segment where we play a couple games uh, because I love getting to know you guys better uh, to kind of like see what else comes out. And one of the games is like the two truths and a lie, where you're gonna tell us three things about yourself, and we're gonna try to figure out which one's the lie. Because hey, you guys are actors and you guys are really good at lying. I'm not going to lie. I am very good at lying. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your three things? And then we'll figure out which one's the lie. Okay, so two truths and a lie. I like to surf in my free time. I don't like donuts, but I eat them anyway. And I saw a ghost in an elevator. Mm. That was three, right? Yep, that is three. And I've always said, and I'm hoping the listeners don't get tired of listening to that part where I'm like, it's all about the details. You could have seen a ghost, but in the hallway. So the fact that it's in an elevator, mm -hmm, it's a lie, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, you like the outdoors, which you've told us, but surfing may not be it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. What does it mean? What does yes, it mean? <laughs> exactly. And same thing with like, you don't like donuts, but you eat them anyways. I understand that. 
because there's certain ones that I don't like. I'm like, great, it's fine. It's just a plain glazed one. Yes, yes, Frosted yes. chocolate would have been better, but whatever. Okay. So the lie. Hmm. Is the lie of the donut? Am I supposed to tell you? Yes. Because otherwise, how would we know? I truly don't really like donuts, but I eat them. Okay. So that's the truth. Surfing is the lie. Yes. <laughs> I tried it one time and I thought I was going to drown. <laughs> <laughs> I practically did. Oh, no. Yeah, it was bad. This also teaches me to go with my gut instincts more. I say that to myself all the time. I'm like, it's the surfing one. That's the lie. Well, because of the irony when I'm like thinking about it, that's the most normal one. Because like who doesn't like donuts and who sees ghosts? But that was kind of the odd one out, I guess. But I was like, she sees ghosts. I know that she's true. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I wish I saw more. I only saw the one. But mm-hmm. it was very weird. It can be interesting and fun and not so much fun at the same time. We can talk about that later. Especially when, since we're going to New Orleans, we're so doing a ghost tour. We're so I want to do it so badly. Yes, we're so doing that. <laughs> I honestly, like, that's a given. Yes, so we're going to be doing that. We'll, maybe see if we can get a group of us together go. You know, <laughs> what do narrators do for fun when they're not working? Ghost tours! Uh- mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe we can invite some to the convention. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's always around and stuff, but that's definitely something that we might be able to do some fun stuff like that there. Planning's still going on, and and uh, there's a lot of stuff that's happening that hasn't been announced yet, and I'm like, when are you going to tell people? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> I want to know what's happening. Yeah, and then, like, I signed a damn NDA, so I can't say shit, because that's how NDAs <laughs> work, people. You don't talk about it, in case someone's out there <clears throat> doesn't know what an NDA is. <laughs> <clears throat> that throw clear was for a very specific person, and I'm sure they'll know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> but again it's there's a lot of fun stuff but yeah definitely gonna be doing a ghost tour the story behind the next question because you're you have you're the first time guest here is that after we finish the episode we go into some content that is exclusive for my patreons which is how i'm able to continue to do this because the girl doesn't get paid and one of the things is a round of would you rather because i love making you guys choose between two things Oh my gosh, so evil of you. <laughs> I know, I love it. If the would you rather doesn't include like sudden death or something horrible though, like that's how I play. <laughs> so I'm like very curious. Yours are probably going to be like actually great options that I can't decide. <laughs> Mine are like, let's choose the way that we're going to die or like something really morbid. I try to keep things light and fluffy, but you know what? Who knows? We might have a dark era. I'm in my villain era. For those that did not know, now you do. So, uh, <laughs> aren't we all? I feel like we ne- we all need to be. Right Sometimes now. some of them have, yeah, have you know? It will be interesting. But this question came into because one of the questions is: Would you rather tell everyone your guilty pleasures or never partake in your guilty pleasures ever again? And that's it. Which means: Would you or would you not? And you know, ninety nine point nine 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 have all said. I would tell everyone the guilty pleasure. So then I, being cute and funny, are like, okay, so when you come back to the, we're going to talk about what those are. Never really have until now. Okay. So this is a very interesting concept to me because who assigns guilt to what you take pleasure in? We place it on ourselves. Society places, you know, shame and guilt upon us as well. Unless you're unaliving someone and you're doing something that is like very obviously ethically wrong, should we even feel guilty about what we love? 
(laughs) And I feel like it brings up all these other systemic issues in my mind of like, the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word guilty pleasures for a lot of people is food, right? And it's like, well, I love cookies, but I don't feel guilty about it. So is that a guilty pleasure if other people think it is, but I don't? One thing I will say, because I was thinking about this a little bit, I love true crime. And I do feel guilty about that sometimes. I don't know if you've watched the new documentary. um, I think it's called American Nightmare or something like that. Have you seen that? No. Okay, I think it's on Netflix, but I'm not going to say much. It's a three-episode like docuseries. They very much present to the audience this phenomenon of how obsessed we are with true crime and the harm that it can actually cause especially to people who have gone through the experience so I do feel a little bit guilty because of that about how obsessed I am with disasters and true crime but I will say (laughs) (laughs) That were I in a position where I could no longer partake in that, I would just find something else to obsess over. So I'm happy to talk about whatever my guilty quote-unquote pleasures are because I'll just find something else to fill the void. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's always interesting, too, because, you know, you said that most people would think that it's food. Mm -hmm. I think in this community, most people would probably think that it might be something sexual. Yeah, but that's also why I love asking that question is because the reality of it is they're really, like you said, unless it's ethically, morally, illegal, wrong. The fact that like if I'm not working and I'm reading to me, sometimes I feel like guilty about that. Like I should be doing something. So I think the more we have these conversations and we normalize the quote unquote guilty pleasure part of things, if it makes you happy, go for it. Yeah, because the guilt is a tactic. It's a tactic and shame is a tactic we know in religious circles. It's used socially everywhere and it's used as a way for us to like feel bad about, you know, things that make us more individualistic or that don't align with, you know, whatever. Society's norms and stuff like that. Indoctrination is happening, (laughs) you know. And so, yeah, that was like the first thing I thought of was like, well, who assigns the guilt? And do I feel guilty? Mm-hmm. No. no. <laughs> so I guess I can talk about them because I'll just find something else. Girl, you are cerebral. And I love it. I am very <laughs> cerebral. So I don't know if you've heard of like Enneagrams. I just discovered this recently. I feel like everybody already was way ahead of me. But I think I'm in Enneagram 6 which is like a very cerebral person. Mm -hmm. And I realized one of the reasons why I love acting so much is because it forces me out of my head and it forces me into my body and I start to feel a lot more than I do like in my regular life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Because I kind of feel like a robot most of the time. But when I'm acting, I don't. And I think that's why during the pandemic, I was feeling so off because I was like, I don't have that thing that connects me with emotions and connects me with experiences that I don't always feel in my life. So, yeah. It makes sense. I think sometimes we're, you know, for some of us that are overthinkers and are trying to, you know, figure things out. And sometimes we're, we're the ones that are the responsible ones. It's hard to be free of some of that 
And then to find something where you can just be in the moment, it's important. So yeah, absolutely. I just kind of wish it was a better way to ask that question as far as what we see, you know, like they, besides like, what do you want to do for fun? People always think differently. So, but mm-hmm. I always thought it would be kind of fun. Like, okay, great. Yeah. It's easy for you to tell me that you tell everybody, but I'm like, no, I'm asking what I <laughs> Well, and I think that the questions themselves sometimes are the interesting thing of like, okay, well, well, cause I guess interesting to me, but like, why do we ask that? That is an interesting thing to ask and you can have a cool discussion about it. In addition to the context of what you're actually asking someone, it's all good. We discovered in my book club that one of the gals studied forensic science. And so it was a book where there were bodies and we were like, okay, now we know in this group dynamic who we need to go to. When we need to hide <laughs> to, a body. We need to hide a body. Yeah. <laughs> I find it so much more interesting than sitting down and having a conversation with someone about like, oh, tell me about you. What do you do for work? That's what I want to know. Who knows how to get rid of a body? Similar situation. We were talking about something and in a book, I think there were it was a, a scene in a kitchen and they were doing something. I think they were either baking or cooking and they used the wrong terminology. And that is not how that went. And I was like, yeah, that's just so they really need to do a little bit more. And that's how some people found out that I mean, they're being culinary arts. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing that in here. Wow. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. It's just one of those things. So now when I read books and they're like baking and competitiveness and he's going to, you know, I'm like going, okay, please tell me that you at least use the right verbiage on the dice and I'm okay. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. That would take you out of it completely. A little bit. Yeah, it does. It does. But mm-hmm. So the other thing is that I have people gone rogue on me in these conversations where they turn it around and start asking me questions. I'm like, no, 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 it's not about me. Because uh, <laughs> I hate talking about myself as similar to you, but I think you guys go through it and, um, and you guys do such a good job. <laughs> I love questions. So, and so I was like, hey, no one may have anything to ask me. And also like, what can you come at me at? And stuff. So we have this now thing where you ask me anything. Do you have anything to ask me? And I will answer. I do, actually. I was thinking about this recently, and I think this comes up a lot. What do you think that based on what you've witnessed across, let's keep it to the romance industry, what are your thoughts on the benefits of remaining anonymous versus showing your face and sort of more openly sharing yourself? There's benefits, pros, and cons to both. I don't know if you think one is better or what you would identify as the the benefits of each different approach. Ooh, great question. I was just talking to uh, an up and coming narrator who has no social media. And they asked too about the whole, like, they were contemplating things like that. So I think that in a world, in a world, uh, in in a world, (laughs) world. (laughs) where we're currently in right now, and specifically when it comes down to romance, sometimes keeping things mysterious is going to benefit you significantly more because we don't know what you look like. Another reason why I think a lot of narrators go into, a lot of actors go into narration too and feel significantly freer and that they're actually doing a craft is because the character could be five, two and, you know, an alien and you're like a human being and six foot five. And, you know, you can still get cast in that because you're right for the voice for that character in your performance. And, and, and that explanation can be utilized in anything on physical attributes and what society deems 
sexy. That's what I love about voice acting in general. Exactly. As appropriate as far as, you know, what you should feel about yourself if you're a size 16 versus a size zero and, you know, sexuality and all this fun stuff that goes along with it. Because again, society's norms, which is only really setting on a, you know, washing machine. And so there is a lot to it that I think that because of how we are as a community, that people are always wanting more of you. I always say there's so many more benefits, I think, of being anonymous and keeping things a little bit more to yourself as far as what you share with the world. A lot of times narrators are married with kids, but they're always voicing single and then they have to, they feel like they have to portray this. Yeah, I'm a single too as a, you know, but also like you can also have a little bit of fun. I sometimes say that if I could do this all over again, I would probably use a pseudonym to do this side of the business and the podcast because, you know, you know, fill in the blank name might have a little bit more fun. It can be a little bit more outspoken and not give a fuck completely. Yeah. Or be more this and that. And I think that it's just, you know, you kind of have to play it by ear. Maybe start anonymous and not showcase your face and all this information and then see how things go. And that was the advice that I said. There's a lot of narrators that have used, you know, have been behind the mic and haven't shown their faces. And everybody's like, oh my God, you're so good. Oh my God, you're so damn hot. Oh my God, you're so damn sexy. Mm -hmm. And they bought the books and everything in the moment that they showed their face. The illusion, the mask fell. And now, fill in the blank reasons, you're not as sexy, you're not as hot. And now I can't envision you as the brunette or the blonde and the this and the that because I saw your face. Yeah, because I know what you look like now. Yeah. Or stop telling me all these sexy things. You're married, la, la, la. You know? <laughs> so it goes either way. Yeah. And stuff like that. Or, you know, like, yes, it can kill the illusion stuff, but also privacy. Some of you guys, and, and this goes the same thing for authors, are school teachers or come from a more conservative background or don't want to know that you have family and kids because people are nasty and go after some of these and the other individuals. I mean, as pro players and actors seen it, when fans go rabid and fans and things go wrong, what happens? I think that if you're starting out or if you've been anonymous, it might be good. And that also then comes into play about going to these events. Right. And how does that look like? And, you know, how are you going to partake? Well, you don't have to always go as a signing individual. You can just still partake in the community and not do that. Yeah. And there's also ways to still go and stay anonymous. There's been a lot of narrators, you know, wigs, hats, sunglasses, mm -hmm. and also having the conversation with the, the audience and saying, hey, I want to go to these things, but I also want to stay private. So I, if I do this, I don't want photos of me online. I don't want, you know, busting out and saying, I got to know who so-and-so is and this is what they look like because we also live in a culture of being the in the know and having to be the one that has all the info and the one that knows what they look like and wants the phone numbers and the emails and all this. And I know their real name versus their pseudonym and blah, blah, right, blah. Right. And it's just like, no, this is why people won't go to events. These are because of that behavior. Yeah. But also being honest with them and saying, hey, if these are my boundaries, these are my limits. If we can keep to that, I'm okay with going to events and kind of trying it out and going from there. So yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot more fun you can have by staying anonymous. I feel like I started to have a lot more freedom when I started my pseudonym because I it allowed me to express parts of myself that I feel like I don't normally under my legal name, but that are still, you know, parts of me. 
And yeah, I also feel like in some ways, at least in my experience with it, it allows me to focus more on what I'm doing and the craft and the story is in the characters versus me. I've never been someone who feels very comfortable with the spotlight on me. So, which is ironic because I became an actor. <laughs> yeah. And I know that there are other people come to it saying, I love it and that's fine. And I'm, you know, celebrate that too. But I came to it because I'm obsessed with psychologically analyzing people <laughs> and situations and stories. And that is just super fulfilling for me. Anonymity is my word. Yeah. <laughs> I just decided that's going to be my favorite word right now is it just rolls off the tongue. Anonymity. So yeah, for me, I feel like I can just have a little bit more of a focus on the craft and what I love about it versus make it about me. And I think a lot of times you guys as actors, because I, I've heard that and I, a lot of actors are like, I, I hate being on in the spotlight and being yeah. the center of attention. And everybody around them goes, um, you're an actor and you're on stage. I go, but technically it's not them, it's the character. Exactly. So that's where the difference is like they're portraying some but it's not themselves so now off stage you are yourself and now you have like people <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and me. honestly that's one of the reasons i think why i haven't wanted to narrate live on the clock app because when i'm in the story i'm in the story and i don't necessarily want to be taken out of it and i realize there's so many benefits to it and i still toy with the idea and it is still kind of intriguing for me but it's like when i'm doing the work that's my happy space <laughs> and i don't want anyone to interrupt it and i think that's how i do my best work is i'm not looking at a screen i'm not looking at social media i'm just here in the story living as the character in that moment giving 110% to the work and for me, narrating live would split my focus in a way that the story for me doesn't deserve that. I want to give it 100% of me and talk about it later, <laughs> you know? Well, actually, it's a, a good point, too, because uh, and, and <laughs> here's some of the conversations I have that I get paid for, so I'm going to give it to you all for free. Oh, yeah, a yeah. lot of narrators feel like, oh, I have to. No, you don't. Do what you want. Yeah, you don't have to do it. Um, while there may be some benefits and things like that, because people might see your your range. And, and like I, there's one narrator recently, Lance, and uh, he was doing a live reading. He was doing a great job doing less interacting with the camera as an audience and more in the scene. So that works, too. But I was able to see his range. So I'm like, I know where I'm casting you, but you don't have to. At the end of the day, what others do, you don't have to. And it also doesn't always work. If you're always online, I'm questioning. <laughs> yeah, I'm questioning that too. You know, I'm going, mm. <laughs> yeah. so an alternative, which is similar to how you do your bloopers, is that maybe record, you know, a scene and then share it later with the book cover. It doesn't even have to be your face. And because I like to listen to that process. And if you fuck up that funny a little bit in the, and how you handle it. You know, hot pots, cook pots. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I know where your mind was. <laughs> <laughs> what was funny, too, was like, I, it wasn't a romance. It was no, a exactly. fantasy book. And I was doing it under my other name. And it was just like, oh, well, you know. Again, I would have been like, yeah, she said, cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know where your mind was, girl. But it, it's just how it is. And so, also, like, who says cook pot? 
Yeah, I know that's weird. It's like, like, it's like, like a saute pan, but you know, what was it? A, you know, kind of a thing, but it's a cooking pan. Cook pot. Cooking yeah. pot. Yeah, because it used to be cooking pot, not cook pot. I'm like, oh, no, but I see, I see where the mistake could have happened. So again, it doesn't have to be done just because, you know, because I've, I've had people come up to me and ask me, it's like, hey, well, my view, I'm like, your views might go up for a little bit, but how sustainable is that too, by the way, versus straight shooting and stuff like that. So do what works for you test it out, do a little bit here. There's ways to go around it and still get the same impact of having people see you as far as your job and hear you and do things like that without giving 100% of yourself to everybody because yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, you run out. And I think sustainability is really important. And it's like, if something's out of balance, I don't think that you can do your best acting and your best work. And yeah, it's like, you also want to have the career that, you want it's like clothes it's like yeah you might like that style but it's not for me so i want to wake up every day and go to work and love what i'm doing because i've created a career that fits me and if i copy what everybody else is doing i'm gonna wind up with a career that fits them that isn't sustainable for me. I think that you also want to do, if you're going to the booth saying, fucking shit, I got to do a live and I got to do this. Yeah. And, uh, then it's no longer fun. And I will hear it in your tone. <laughs> yeah. I can hear when the narrators are having fun and enjoying the contents versus when they're phoning it in. And if you're phoning it in because you're tired, because you were at a live at three o'clock in the morning or you roasted your voice because you were doing a scene that was live and trying to do this and that, stop. Well, that's the other thing is like you kind of, your voice is your job. Yeah, it's your tool. So you need to rest. You need to not be talking sometimes during the day if you can. Mm -hmm. I know not everybody can, but yeah, I've always wondered about that when people are on live and then like a few hours will go by and I'll like check back in and they're still going. And I'm like, I couldn't do that. (laughs) I couldn't do that to my brain or my voice or... Yeah. I mean, it's different when the friend comes into town and you're like, oh my God, we need to catch up. And they're staying, you know, staying late up night and stuff like that. But the next morning you're going to suffer and you're going to have a lot of coffee and (laughs) and you're going to sound like this because of all the talking. That's not sexy. Okay. I know. But I do think it's interesting because there's, like you said earlier, the industry has shifted so much Mm -hmm. and social media is now a place for authors who are going the indie route to connect with narrators and, you know, artists and things like that and editors. And so sometimes, yeah, the loudest person in the room does get heard. And if you're on TikTok, am I allowed to say that? I know we keep saying the clock app. I know people don't make, I always say that ticky talk because I also don't want to validate them too sometimes because I, while I appreciate social media, there's also a lot of issues. And I'm like, yeah, again, another episode. It's also like, I'm not trying to, you know, make it too powerful that I don't say its name, but I also, whatever. Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> say it. Say his name. I am there. Yeah. I think that, and it's the algorithm too, but it's like, if you see the same people over and over again, you start to think they're the only ones maybe, or like they're the ones who are available. And it's like, no, there's so many people out there. I will also tell you, the more you're on social media, the more you are providing people with something to not, not like you, not see you, not this, not that, right? There's also going to be something that you can, you know, I've not cast certain people 
because of the behaviors on social media or their content on social media or something that they may have said in this and I'm going, yeah, no, because from the blank reasons. Also, authors have come to me and say, I want so and so and so and so. And I'm like, listen, I know they got a million followers and I know that they that in that 15 second clip that you heard on their on their stream sounded sexy as hell and blah, blah, itty bitty bits, whatever, growling, whatever. But they're breathy and I can give them an entire list of all the things that they're not good at. So why am I going to cast them? You're the boss at the end of the day, but when your sales and your reviews presented, Vivi said it, Vivi told you. And sometimes it would work. It will work and, they, and they're successful. But other times, again, sustainability, we talked about that. There's going to be only so many books that they can do yep. before everybody's like, mm, 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 mm. yeah. And they may not even know why. Oh, God. Well, that's because everybody's throwing, blowing smoke up their asses that they don't know that they could use some coaching. And because of that smoke, they feel like they don't need it. I also wonder sometimes I have this theory that like, People, like when they blow smoke up someone's ass, they don't mean it, like you said. And so sometimes when you see like a lot of reviews, sometimes I wonder if people are just doing that because they're like, oh, everybody else seems to like this. So I got to jump on board and be like, I loved it. And I loved this person and this and that. And and it's like, they're kind of just doing it to stay. I don't even know. Like, what's the psychology of that? It's part of it is being the sheep and the bath factor and also the fear of not getting that next review opportunity because everybody's like, Oh, I want to open that box. I'm like, don't like, listen, you want to send me a box of goodies because I have a good relationship with you and you know, you love and adore me and you know that I will appreciate everything. And I've reviewed your books and I've been honest about it and I've given you feedback and blah, blah, blah. And it's been good. Great. Do not give me a box to open up in front of a camera and you may not like it. (laughs) (laughs) You may not be happy with it. But also like, I then feel like I have to over own, God, like, no, I love it. Thank you. But you're going to get your authentic me. And that may not be the reaction that you want because I'm not going over the top like some people do. Or like the reaction videos that I see lately about how they're crying. And I'm like, I'm not a crier. It doesn't mean that I didn't feel it. Right. You know, kind of being more mindful of where you spend your time. And instead of maybe doing 50,000 lives at three o'clock in the morning, maybe sleep and get some coaching. Love it. (laughs) Expert advice. You know, and drink some water. Yeah, drink water, hydrate, honey for your throat, snap when you can, because that cat's going to be meowing at your door when you're trying to record or or my favorite construction. I was going crazy the other day because there was like a vibration that I could feel in the floor and I like stomped around my neighborhood. I was like, what is this sound? <laughs> like, I need to find it. There's the girl that lives in California and lives in a fault. <laughs> I was literally like calling businesses. Like there's a um, waste management treatment plant. And I was like, I need someone to call me because you turn something new on. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. But yeah. I'm the lady who like walks up to foreman's at construction sites. And I'm like, hello, I need the schedule for this construction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a livelihood, it's business. People will understand. Yeah, and I'm all no. for it. I, I'm like, look, it's just going to make me less mad if I know when you're going to be here so I can plan ahead, do your job. I support everything you're doing, build those roads, fill those potholes. It's great. Are you here for a day or are you here for three weeks? That's all I want to know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've done that. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, because I have scheduled recordings of the podcast and hell and the drill is not going to be a good thing. I will wait until the lawn is done. But yeah. <laughs> 
girl, we could talk about everything for hours. <laughs> I know. There's so many podcasts that are like forming in my mind now. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, well, well, we can talk that on that a little bit later. But I mean, and I would love to talk to you, but also people are like, man, your episodes are so long. I'm like, well, that's why they created a pause button. Yeah. Also, I have no concept of time. As soon as we started, I feel this feels like it's been 10 minutes. It has. Yeah, exactly. Same. Um, this shows that we're having a good time. So as for the listener stuff, you pause it, catch up. But we are near the end. So before we go, tell us what you've been working on and that's what's up coming up next that you can share. What can I share? So I feel like that for me is a milestone in and of itself that I have some projects that I can't talk about. <laughs> that I'm very, very excited to do. Um, I just wrapped up some things with a Dark Star, actually. And I have a bunch of books coming out with Sparks Fly Studios, which is Michelle Sparks' um, production company. And she's been so wonderful to work with, her and Jen and the whole team she's created. So the one that I can talk about, Jay Sterling just announced me as one of the narrators for she's re-releasing The Perfect Game series um, in audio with new covers. So I am actually this week diving into the booth for that. And um, yeah, I'm also going to be doing a continuing the series with DL Lane, her Delta Security series that was nominated. So whichever listeners enjoyed Lyric and Cowboy, we have Reaper <laughs> coming next. And then, yeah, I have a bunch of really dark fantasy and horror under my other name that I'm super pumped about. Won't really promote that here, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm sort of, um, I feel like I leveled up a little bit this year working now with some production companies and I have some co-narrators that are pretty exciting, but you know what? Rather than name dropping, I'm just going to drop my own damn name <laughs> <laughs> and not make it about them. They are flipping fantastic. And I'm so excited to work with them. You'll know who they are when the titles get released. But, you know, rather than just name dropping, um, MK is leveling up and has a lot of really cool stuff coming out. So I'm super grateful. I know that you have a couple of titles up pre-order, so that's great too. Yes, that was a milestone. I've never had a pre-order before and I saw <laughs> that and I was like, what? That is so cool. That math is just no on how that gets done so <laughs> yeah no clue i don't know it's a mystery it is but it's okay i love it when it happens and if it doesn't just let me know it's out i'll go get it you know yep yep <laughs> yep me. yeah well thank you so much mk it's been such a fun time talking to you about a lot of fun things but also important things so thank you for that thank you i really appreciated you creating a safe space for us to chat and it was really fun Thank you. If you're not following MK on their socials, I will include all the information so you can do that and not go hunting for it. And you can find that information over at the website for Viviana Enchantress of Books. Also, grab your Dark Star Con tickets um, and meet you know MK and some of the other awesome authors and, and narrators are going to be there. Visit DarkStarCon website, which is www.darkstarcon.com uh, to learn more and purchase your tickets. Until next time, happy listenings. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. The audiobook-loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. 
Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobook loving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.